We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 397 of the Win and Six podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always, it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. Uh, we're back for Bucks Basketball. It's officially a new season now. We said we'd be back, back to normal in season and guess what we are officially in season now the books at our time of recording have played three games fourth game coming up all of you will will know the outcome of that by the time you listen <laughs> um jordan how are you feeling are you glad to have books basketball back in your life i'm very glad to have in season basketball back in my life i'm very happy um yeah, I like seeing the Bucks. I like seeing this new. I, it's all gonna feel new. I'm not sure what game number it will be where it's like this is who they are now, but it's still all new. It's fresh. It's reimagined a remix, if you will, not a Rip City remix. But um, yeah, I like I like where we stand right now, and uh, got a couple of wins under our belt too. So you can't be can't be too dismayed about that. Yeah, I mean that's. That's the thing. We'll get into all the ins and outs of of what we've seen early on from the books. But this is the beginning of a new era for books basketball. And 
many different uh, regards and a winning start. I mean, is it the best version of the Bucks that we'll see this season? I certainly hope not. I don't believe it is. But they are out there. They're largely taking care of business. And as you see, kind of all around the league, it's easy to forget from year to year, too, because you get so excited for the start of a new season. It doesn't just click. It takes guys, even the very best players in the world, a little bit of time to start to really get their game back, to get their legs under them, to look like themselves. I feel like the books are very, very heavily afflicted by that at the moment. And that's probably something that's even like aside to, well, they're working new things out with Damian Lillard there, or they're working out what it's like to play under coach Adrian Griffin. So it's only going to go up from here, in my opinion, Jordan. And with that, it leaves us a lot of fun stuff to talk about throughout this season. Um, Two wins, one loss, as we've alluded to. A dramatic one-point win opening night. I guess let's start here because let's start with our first impressions of Damian Lillard. And if we're going to talk Dame with the books, it is going to come to this game. It's it's fair to say he hasn't necessarily had his most characteristic or his most kind of overwhelming uh, few games overall. But what he did late in game one against the 76ers was very much vintage Dame. We got to see Dame time right from the jump and we got to see of what we've seen so far, this is maybe the most instructive few minutes of basketball we've seen because just there, just like that, after all of these years of trying to work it out, it was like, oh, look, that could be the problem to the books, you know, late game offensive woes in big games against great teams come playoff time, etc. Yeah, it was very kind of surreal that we all the things that we pointed out to being this is how Damian Lillard could fix this. This is how he could fix Y. He could fix X. Yeah, I mean, like, it all, like, happened game one, <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous to say. Like, it's not normal to see him take over. It, it is normal to see him take over, but it's not normal to see that first game, new surroundings, new team, play next to Giannis who struggled that game. But it was a very, like, just, it, it didn't feel abnormal. And granted, we're talking about one of the best players in the NBA of the last decade, you know, since he's been in the league, really. Um, yeah, like, the, everything about it was just very effortless. And, you know, the Sixers <laughs> made the Bucks sweat. Bucks put themselves down in that hole where they had to put it on Damian Lillard's shoulders to get them out of it but yeah it what a thrilling experience that was obviously most points by a bucks player making their debut over terry cummings um kareem abdul jabbar um yeah like all the different th- i think it was even the fourth most points by a player debuting with a new team or his team so like that level of historic of just coming out of the gates and making such an instant impact. Like, I think that's, you know, it's it's going to be hard to top that as we move forward, really. I think moments like that are as important as much as anything as he settles in, because I do think just for, like, the really obvious reasons, not just new surroundings, new teammates, but 
the disrupted offseason he had, the fact that he really does look like he's not getting his conditioning right. I mean, he, he looks like he's in good shape, but it, there's a difference, as we'll talk about with other guys as well, between good shape and game shape. And I, I think it's maybe most telling on his three-point shot, just not having his legs under him. So a lot of those shots coming up short. It's just not really what you're used to or expect to see from Dane. Um, but I think everyone can kind of weather that storm and kind of just let him work into a place where he's at his best and let the Bucks get to a place where they're going to be at their most formidable with him. If there are these moments that just kind of stand above it all, and really kind of simplify everything because I think that's that's important to what's happening here. The fact that he comes out and he does this in game one, let's take something even as simple, which God, the last time a non-Yanus book did this and it not being Yanus increases the likelihood of it turning out well, but getting to the free throw line 17 times and making all 17 of them, like right away, you're like, okay, that is something that's just entirely new for this team. It's the kind of weapon that they wouldn't have had at their disposal before, you know, let alone someone who could get to the line at that kind of volume, but someone who can actually make the free throws when they get there. It's a big deal. And it was a weird game. I mean, the ebbs and flows of it, I guess, very much in line with what you expect from two teams on opening night. The Philadelphia 76ers already look different now than they did then. Um, things have shaken up for them with the James Harden trade since that point. That is the last time the Bucks will have to worry about seeing PJ Tucker. Uh, well, I was going to say maybe the last time in conference this season. Who knows? We'll see. Mm. We'll see how things play out there. But for the time being, he is an LA Clipper. But to face a team that maybe are not, you know, they're not what they have been in recent years. I don't think they should be held up in that level of esteem. But you've got Joel Embiid, you've got this name superstar, the MVP even, and one of your great historical rivals to go out there on national TV and pull out the win with your new superstar looking like a superstar. That's about as good as you can write the script. I mean, Giannis had a nice game too without necessarily looking at his best. Seven turnovers in this game, and I I think we could kind of go through all of the games and be like, there's some element of it where Giannis doesn't look like Giannis. Again, this is the start of a season. It's not something to stress about. It's to be expected. But as a double act, I mean, the pair of them combining for 62 points and 20 rebounds, seven assists. It's like, yeah, that's that's the good stuff. That's why you do this. And that's why even with kind of not racing out of the blocks, which isn't something that at least either of us expected, you've got to feel good about who the books are going to be this season because we've already got one glimpse of it in the key spot. Yeah, I think your point of Damian Lillard's offseason being disrupted, I mean, plenty has been written about and talked about of just how uh, how bewildering, it, uh, how much of that experience wore on him in terms of, asking to be traded, not knowing where he's going to go, not going to his preferred destination, being literally um, wanting to practice at the practice facility and being told that he's not going to come back to Portland, even as things dragged on. You have that element. You have Giannis coming back from going under the knife for the first time in his career. Um, His 
kind of off season as long as it was being disrupted didn't play for the world cup in terms of um or if they were recovering this a lot of things going on with you know again and biggest thing too is just the team that adrian griffin inherited being disrupted by getting someone like david lillard so i think a lot of things as we go on through the other two games that have happened, including the Sixers game too, a lot of things are explainable why the Bucks look like they do right now, and I think it's encouraging that I don't see anything out of the ordinary or something that doesn't or that surprises me so far. Um, but yeah, I think that is very key to kind of keep in mind as we get through the first couple of weeks of the season, just because, you know, they've had their training camp, they've had their preseason, but it takes a lot more time to kind of get work through the early issues or just how things are going to work when <laughs> the team that we're watching right now has literally been formed before our eyes. And that's, it's not an easy thing to just, figure out in a matter of weeks it'll take a lot more time than that it will and i mean talking about being formed before our eyes the man who's very much tasked with doing that is new head coach adrian griffin my feeling and i I don't know uh, you and i i will both on the record here as you know unashamedly not big preseason guys um, shout out to Ty and Rohan <laughs> who've had preseason covered. I'd be trying to like extrapolate what you can from that. Um, I did watch some preseason. It doesn't. It doesn't really carry true. I think one of the one of the things though that I do feel through these first three games and through Adrian Griffin's first three, you know, actual real meaningful competitive games, you can see is it feels like there's elements of this which are still like in motion, which are still evolving in terms of, well, what exactly are they going to be doing? What is it going to look like defensively? Um, I think we'll already, and we can maybe talk about some of it. I think it would be easy to identify some elements that, you know, whether it's now, whether it's further down the road in the season, there may be some concessions made to what currently the plan is. And just kind of, Having to, I guess, um, you know, get the recipe right for what book success looks like this year and just kind of really kind of fine tune, be careful. You've got all the ingredients. Jordan, I'm speaking your language to you here, uh, but you got to get the quantities right. You got to have all the best ingredients. And at the moment, this thing isn't ready for the menu, right? We're just, we're testing it out and we're saying it feels like we've got something might be a little bit seasoning needed you know it's just it's it's not quite there and i think we'll be in a spot where we're gonna keep seeing some of the changes on this front in front of our eyes i don't know if you felt any of that to start the season or if you do think that's that's gonna be something that's apparent too i mean we could talk about some of what we've seen offensively defensively so far but i do think overall on both sides there are new wrinkles there are things that are carryovers and there are things that I think are going to work or not work to different degrees. And also, like, bring us back to, honestly, the conversation that you and I have had with every coach, like the good coaches, the bad coaches, 
the books have had throughout their time. Some there of us are always... back and walking right now. That's <laughs> yes, true. There are always, always going to be some things that you're going to be conceding or that aren't quite perfect that will become the bone of contention that will drive fans crazy. And I feel like this is something we've, we've over the years, we tried our best to stress that, you know, even the best coach in the NBA is still, there's going to be things. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I could potentially see the shape that those things could take under Adrian Griffin. It's just about, well, how good are you at everything else? How, how well can you cover over what those cracks may be to build a winning system? And that's always the challenge. But there is something interesting just on in the face of it of, here's a new coach again, and here's what that looks like. Especially when, you know, minus uh, or, or in addition to someone like Damian Lillard coming into the door too. But it does have this feel of like I can't shake the feeling of this is Bud's team. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of those players were on at least the core players were there with Bud, where some in in some regards came with Bud. Like we've talked about the Giannis, Chris's that those sorts of players Brooke came at months after Bud got hired. Like it is hard to kind of divorce that thought from it or from what we're seeing right now. And again, Lillard, Lillard like... is probably crucial for that too, for giving Griffin a chance of a fresh start of here's something that is not associated with the championship or is not associated with Bud. You go to work with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very key point. And it, I think that is again, not to keep hammering this home, but that is why, outside of just Damian Lillard being a very malleable fit within this team and very being a very good player at his age and his experience. It just makes a lot of sense to pair that up with what we have seen or what uh, what interest them, interested Horst and company to make the change at coach and bring in Adrian Griffin. Um, because a lot of it is like, you know, even the things that they're we will call growing pains. It's hard. We went through this with kid too, bud. We went through this with kid to Prunty or whatever. Like there, the the habits and things that were preached, while I'm sure are being shared or are shared from what how the Bucks were operate under Bud and now Griffin. It is hard to like knock those things out of you, like I'm sure there are probably fans out there that you see someone not close out to an open three-point shooter in the corner and be like, oh, same old Bucks defense. And it's like, well, no, like, you'll see how they're playing defense and how it's, how things are stationed. It's very different, but the result can still end the same way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the process may be different in terms of schematically or whatever, but we will still see those same things or or lapses in communication, or guys not picking up guys, and everything like that. But yada yada yada. It's also though we're now like I think because this team has been good, and even going back to before they were good when we expected them to be on a trajectory to being good. Like 
it applies for us, but I think it applies for a lot of the fans too. And the relationships, the fact Giannis and Chris have been around so long. Things that were great now can be traced back to, oh, you know, it's the same old defense. Book sounds might say in their head. It could actually be a wrinkle that like was more in line with Jason Kidd's defense than Bud's defense. Yeah. But it's not exactly Griffin's defense either. And it's just kind of like these pieces string together as much as that because it's like we're going through different eras but this book story is one continuous story in terms of our understanding of the fans and just kind of well what is it going to be now what is what is the kind of the variation from one year to another i mean there's some things that in the early running they've shook off very quickly uh transition <laughs> is yeah. is is the key one and their transition defense which was like maybe the fundamental elements that Bud built his defense on and the, the books have kind of owned. And honestly, even when the books under Bud look to do a little bit more in the offensive glass at times, generally managed to keep a very steady hold and transition defense, not give up too much. Um, right now, it seems like there's just going to be so much greater of an emphasis on the boards. They're getting torched in Torch. transition. It- it honestly looks like how it would be or was against the Heat, where guys are just running the floor and beating Bucks defenders down the floor with ease. Like it, it's stuff like that that I would think is going to be more correctable, but mm-hmm. you know, I you never know. It it can vary. I think the one thing that's interesting with that approach is I think it will necessitate really progressive clever rotations and maybe some bigger choices that may not feel right all around like for example if you're gonna be susceptible to teams getting out and running you're not playing to brook lopez strength defensively which i mean we all talked about before the season it's kind of a more important than ever for keeping this defensive float if indeed that is the way that the books wanted to go about winning this year right yeah and even Damian Lillard, I don't know to what extent that's going to serve him. It's kind of like there's some elements of this where you feel like mm, the books are kind of be better if, you know, they could play out a lot of this in front of them. Now, the other side of that is Giannis seems to be attempting a lot of chase down blocks. So we might get lots of good highlights. I don't know. That just feels like something that until you get in games and you see it happening and you've got to weigh up the pros and the cons. And I fully expect that the staff will and come to kind of what they feel like is the right answer and is the best balance. But it is, it's interesting to see these kind of push-pull factors that are different to the push-pull factors under the previous defense, right? And it's going to be a tough thing we're going to grapple with all year is trying to appraise this defense in knowing what the books have been for so long while also remembering, okay, Drew Holiday's gone and Damian Lillard's in his place, but then at the same time trying to understand, but how, how can you be- get the most out of Giannis and Brooke and what they give you on the interior defensively in what you're doing scheme-wise too? Like, that is that is a challenge. That's a challenge for the staff. There isn't just an easy answer because you've got elements of this that are not perfect fits you know where the fit is absolutely perfect here is offensively in terms of what it can look like with those two superstars at their best defensively there's more questions 
I think some of those questions to get good answers or even answers that maybe make life easier for, say, a Brooke Lopez or a Damian Lillard. There are certain kind of guys who are going to need to have really strong seasons and just find that they fit seamlessly. I think we'll talk a bit about Bobby Portis later. I've been really impressed at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. If this is a system that Bobby Portis can find more comfort defensively or a way in which he could contribute, that would be a big deal. If Jay Crowder can be good, consistent, play really good defense this year, that would be a really big deal. If Pat Connaughton can give you something, like it just feels like that kind of group of guys are going to be essential. More than anything, I, I think, just in, in meshing yes. that together, who are your forwards that can be a little bit more mobile, that if we're going to see less time with Brooke out there or more small ball lineups, what will that look like? How can you get all of this to come together on the defensive end and be the most optimized version it can be? I, I, I We just got to kind of park our ideas of Brooke's defense. This is very unlikely to be the best defense in the NBA. I would say it's probably unlikely to be a top 10 defense this year. Yeah, I don't I don't I'd be surprised. If they're if they're top half and they're close to top ten, the Bucks will be an absolute juggernaut and we'll be feeling really, really good about this team going into the postseason. Yeah, that might require someone else coming in because one of the biggest questions I had, I mean not just me, Do you mean a coach? Had... Terry Terry Stutz back? Terry Stutz. For defense this uh, book? No. Sorry, sorry. He left us once. He shall never come back. Um, no, he, the, he himself has proven that wrong. By the way, he has yeah, left, but true. he has come back. Yeah, but he didn't stay for long, did he? Anyway, uh, um, no. One of the big questions of going into this year, even more so after the Lillard trade, was, well, who's going to be the fifth starter? And Malik Beasley has had moments, hasn't really put it all together in games in terms of just, you know, making the same kind of plays that I believe he was making in preseason. Didn't really watch it, watch a couple games, just putting that out there right now. But I looked at the two-man lineups. I'm just like, what pairings are working? When I see David Lillard and Malik Beasley have the most minutes of any two-man combo. For the Bucks this year at 88. Prior to the Raptors games, hold your applause. And then the net rating was negative 19.5 points per 100 possessions, which honestly, that kind of tracks with how I, if, if you've been watching the games and what you kind of expected going into this, it's not like a snug backcourt. Like they both kind of. What Damian Lillard does in shot creation and everything like that, Malik Beasley can't do it, certainly to the to the degree of a Hall of Famer, but has a good shot, has a can make plays off the bounce, has has played good defense. It's just you know when you consider the fact that they're in a starting lineup that one game Chris Middleton is not in. Chris Middleton is also on a mis- minutes restriction when he is playing. So you're next to Jay Crowder. You're ne- like, they're vulnerable to all these variables and what else is being played during closing stretches. 
for close or five man lineups and stuff like that. Like there's a lot to figure out in terms of personnel wise that I'm very intrigued by what uh, Griffin sees out of this because that will inform anything that we see in terms of improvements and just how things evolve in terms of you have your ideologies of how you want to play. How does that necessarily fit the team that you have now? Because again, it's changed significantly. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he handles that. And then, as you mentioned, the guys that kind of are the swing factors of Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, I'll throw him Beasley in there, obviously. Um, Marjan, if he can stay healthy and make an impact and all that stuff. Like it's the, and, and Jay Crowder, as you mentioned too, it's that second tier of players that we all are betting on making leaps or making doing what they have normally done but things vary game to game week to week with those kind of players too they sure are uh we'll talk more about role players in just a minute but before that jordan i believe you've got a question for me i do are you using the sleeper app for daily fantasy basketball I am. Damian Lillard has been unusually cold from three, but he's due to heat up. So I'm going higher on his points, rebounds, and assists this week. Do you think you know basketball? Then try to turn your basketball knowledge into real money with the Sleeper app. The ultimate fantasy sports app that could turn game day into payday. Just download the Sleeper app and pick more or less on your favorite players. With more stats than any other daily fantasy app, just choose two or more of your favorite players from pregame or live. Pick more or less from the predicted stats, and you could win up to 100 times your money if your picks win. Use promo code Eurostep, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 25 states. Check out Sleeper today. And one more time, that's promo code Eurostep. G-Y-R-O-S-T-E-P. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Outside of kind of Dame and starters and where has it been? I I mentioned Bobby. I feel like Bobby is maybe the standout of role players, helped in particular by his performance 
against the Heat, but I think even more than that, his first half, which was honestly some of the best yes. basketball I feel like I've ever seen Bobby Portis play. Um, even just the way he was moving around the court, like he just he looks great. But honestly, very very exciting. He was five or, five or ten against the Hawks as well in a game where there wasn't too much good going for the books. He is being... USA bump baby. Well, yeah, maybe. Um, he's looked great overall. I think the one thing that's striking to me is how he is doing this. <laughs> and he is, I don't mean that in a like be- bewildered, how is Bobby Portis doing this? I mean, he has yet to make a single three point attempt. He's only attempted four, and it really does not look like that is kind of the shape of what Adrian Griffin wants Bobby Portis' game to be. We're seeing him do a lot more in the post, we're seeing a lot more of that great touch he's got and kind of just rolling shots in off the backboard. There's something a bit more old school about Bobby Portis. This is kind of early Bobby Portis. Honestly, there's something Greg Monroe-esque about some elements, I think, of what we're seeing just in terms of post-touch from Bobby at the moment. And I'm very intrigued by that because we talked a lot last year. I know Ty and Rowan talked about it frequently. Like The story of Bobby's two years so far with the books and with what he was asked to do and what his role uh, was under Bud a role that he came to talk out about towards the end of the year. It it lived and died with his three point shooting, and we got yes. one year where his three point shooting was fantastic, and we got another year where it wasn't up to scratch, and that kind of told his whole story. This seems like a much safer bet for getting a more effective version of Bobby Portis. And you can do this now because you've got Damian Lillard. I think that's the key thing. Bobby doesn't have the pressure of having to space as much if you're out there with Dame because you've got someone who's much better at that to do it for you. It it might just be a nice kind of wrinkle, a nice little insight into... I I don't think like we've talked quite a bit about Dame so far, and I know Ty and Rohan have. I don't know how often ahead of the season we were devoting time to, you know, what's Dame going to mean for Bobby Portis? But Bobby's the kind of guy who undue pressure has been put on him to be a really high-level shooter for the Bucks, And all of a sudden, he looks freed up to go and like dominate inside. And when I say dominate inside, I don't mean like purely with muscle, with aggression. Because what Bobby's got going for him is he's kind of nimble, right? He's got kind of good agility, good athleticism in terms of his quickness, in terms of his ability to kind of move through space for a guy of that size and I, with that I think he's shown great scoring touch and honestly early on I'm like maybe this is the sixth man of the year season for Bobby Big Bob on the ass <laughs> right absolutely right Jordan <laughs> yeah I've been very I mean he's the team's third lead scorer uh, through three games four is you'll hear this but I've been very impressed. I think he is give he gave the Bucks a big lift against the Sixers. The Hawks game was what it was, but when it was close or getting closer in the first half, Bobby Portis was a singular reason why. Then you see the Heat game, but he just is bringing it. He's uh, what was the quote from, from opening night? I believe Stan Van Gundy said something about like because Jeff Van Gundy was 
working with Team USA this summer, and obviously Bobby Portis is on the team, and he said his candle is always lit. Um, yeah, and I, I think it, you bring up a good point about like optimizing Bobby because of how much his shot fell off, at least from three last year. And now with a traditional point guard, one of the best shot creators ever, <laughs> one of the biggest gravitational threats in NBA history, and we're seeing that defensively just be based on the double teams and how teams are trapping Damian Lillard to get the ball out of his hands because he's such a big threat that way. Life is easy for a guy like Bobby Portis who can hit shots from comfortable spots off the you know, from the post, from mid-range, everything like that. Like, it's almost like, it, in some way, is how we talked about the Bucks' offense being, you know, under Bud of this five-out, this, you know, especially from a big perspective where you're playing next to a guy that goes downhill. Obviously, Giannis is not a great shooter by any means, but he's one of the best transition players ever and a 30-point-per-game scorer. Naturally, you need someone to kind of go out or invert that where Bobby's getting behind the three-point line and everything like that. So when you have a shooting year like he did last year and they kind of reshape the roster in the way that they have, obviously, I think the way that I was kind of worried about Bobby in terms of well, what does he look like with this team? Be Like, do the Bucks really need his scoring and stuff like that? Right now, they certainly do especially as they figure out what's going on with Chris and how they work him back into playing hopefully 30 minutes a night before it's January 1st. That's just my guess, but that would be welcome. <laughs> um, but a guy like Bobby who can just, you know, it's, it, it's very noticeable when he's not in rhythm, but when he is, it it's that much more palpable of just like how that, turns games on their head because right now the Bucks bench unit between him, Jay Crowder, who's kind of the second or the super sub, but fill in for Chris when he's out. Pat's been pretty good. Campaign mm-hmm. has been making an impact early on too, hitting shots. I feel really good about where this all is and how it all interplays with the kind of core players that we talked about between Dame Giannis, Chris when he's playing Brooke, we haven't even mentioned that much, but he's certainly hitting threes and doing the same block shots that we've come to love and expect. I like how things work in terms of just the top nine of this team right now. And again, as time evolves, I think there's something there that, at least from an offensive perspective, I just don't see those. We'll see lulls. I don't see like the catastrophic, like who the hell is going to score a basket in the next minute because you guys are going on seven minutes without scoring. Like that just does not exist with this team anymore. I hope not. I think you're right. I do think that group and I, I like those bench players that you're talking about. At least I like most of them. Um, they still there needs to be someone who's like the de facto leader, and I think in terms of energy and in terms of you know what he means to the building anytime the books are playing at home, like it it should be Bobby, it could be Bobby, and right now it is Bobby. It's like 
if he can put his foot down and score in the way that I like the guy he was before he came to the books. There's a lot about what has happened with him at the books that's transformed him as a player for the better, made him a winning player. There might be reason to tap into a little bit of some of that old Bobby Portis. And again, like this could come down to if the books are just flat out a pedal to the floor, we are an offensive team and we need to be an offensive team to win this year, or that's going to be the best version of ourselves, particularly in the regular season. Bobby's going to be the guy who's going to give you an extra gear, particularly until you, you said January 1st there. We'll, we'll talk with Chris in a while. And I hope that proves to just be a joke, but until you get Chris back to playing meaningful minutes where he can take on a more significant kind of, you know, supporting role to, to Giannis and Dame, someone needs to step up. And right now it's, it's Bobby. Like, I think, that makes a lot of sense. I think, listen, Brooke is playing quite well too. Brooke has double digits in all three mm-hmm. games. It's hard to overlook that it feels like his role and just like his circumstances and the questions being asked of him are more kind of evolving than anyone else's and he will have more challenges than maybe any other player on the roster this year and working all of that out. Having said that, there might not be another guy in the roster who I just kind of like back to take that in stride and do whatever they have to, to work that out and get on with it. Then Brooke, I mean, in part, Bobby like, might be a close second. Yeah, he might be. And if he's engaged and the new coaching staff has, has kind of lit something new under him and it's like, Hey, fresh start goes, feels in good shape. As you said, the team USA bump, like we can joke about that, but we have seen before Guys come in ready. Now, the flip side of that might be, how does he feel? How does he look April, May, June? But guys can come in ready and hit the ground running and feel a lot better about their place for the season overall as a result of that. So you see what's happening. And like it's a big deal for the books right now. I think he's a really big part of this team being 2-1 and one, as opposed to, you know, they could very easily be 0-3 if you, you were down one kind of really positive, significant contributor. So... I think that's a really good story. Um, I've been impressed in kind of like low-key ways where it's not all happening by a few guys. I think Pat Connaughton looks strong and physically looks good. I think physically he looks like he's ready not just for the challenge, but for a slightly different challenge this year. Um, I was kind of really impressed by the shot didn't go, but AJ Green and how he was holding up physically against the Heat in a way where I feel ridiculous being like, hey, just shout out AJ Green. <laughs> I I saw Rohan making the case for, you know, up stock's going to be coming. He can't shoot that bad for forever. I'm inclined to agree with that, but I think a bigger thing, and it's always with that kind of profile of player, with like a rookie who's on the fringes of the league, has fought their way in, has fought his way to a real contract with the books which is something that so many who have gone before him in his shoes have never actually been able to get to that point. He looks stronger. Uh, He looks like he's ready to compete. He looks like he actually can kind of put up, you know, defensively a good, a good physical approach. That's going to be key for getting minutes. The other person I want to shout out on that is Marjan. Um, I know he missed the heat game. He's been dealing with some illness. 
he's going to be back for the Raptors game, it sounds like, from what Adrian Griffin mm-hmm. has said pre-game. Like, with all of these, with these three guys I'm talking about, it's not like everything is perfect, everything is smooth sailing. But again, I think particularly against the Sixers, there are these little moments with Marjan where you're like, oh, that is it really put together. Like, that is it where you see a sequence and you're like, it's nice, it's under control, his understanding looks really good, he's in the right place at the right time, making the right plays. You can see the path to him being the rotation guy. This is not new. We've talked about it and talked about it, but that's what he's got to come out and do to start the season. It's what he's got to keep doing and see how that evolves, how it unfolds as the year goes on. Um, they're three for me. Anyone else do you want to briefly shout out? Yeah, shout out Jay Crowder. Um, I was very queasy about bringing him back in the first place. I just thought... Why was that? I, I just thought he served his purpose here. Oh, okay. Um, but first three games, I thought we saw the wing defense that we needed to see. Kind of that emotional leader spark guy that you mentioned from the bench unit, not necessarily Bobby, but someone kind of connected. And obviously, again, was in place of Chris when on the first night of the back-to-back with the Hawks game. Hidden shots making great plays, the things that I liked about the good things that we saw of Jay Crowder last year when he played, he makes really good passes. Like, he had this, I can't remember if it was Giannis or Brooke. He probably had one of each, honestly. But he makes these great reads with the ball where Dame is double covered. They get the ball in their hands, goes to Jay, and he, he is either in the middle of the floor or he's kind of drifting away from it. He just allows it up to the big guys. And it's stuff like that that, like, the things that we thought about Jay being kind of, if he's not hitting shots, he's at least connecting the offense. I think some of the some of the passes we've seen through through these first three games are really purposeful. It's it We saw it with Bud, but it just exists in a different light when you have someone like Dame that is such a threat from far out that, like, Spacey is not as much of an issue with this team that it has been historically. And we've seen some just damn good passes as a result of like, whether it's two man game or just having a whiz up the floor based on, you know, some guys getting double teamed or there's a wall for Giannis or whatever. I think Jay has been a really good guy in terms of connecting those things. And we're seeing great ball movement lead into guys hitting shots and hitting them pretty wide open too. So yeah, Jay Crowder, I think, is deserves a shout just based on expectations going into the year. And then of course how he's impacting it beyond the kind of three and D mold that we just associate him with. What are your thoughts? I, I didn't get to see any more than highlights of the Hawks game. He obviously started that. Numbers-wise, it looks rough. Um he looked quite comfortable coming off the bench. Obviously. Well, I say, obviously, he's going to be coming off the bench all season long. But, I mean, we have talked about this. If the Bucks did want to revert to something that is akin to what they've done in recent years, come playoff time, he could be a kind of guy now. Start, starting in a different spot, potentially. No bigger. But, yeah, it's it's an option. I mean, hey, who knows? If Bobby has a season that looks like how Bobby started, maybe Bobby could find himself in that spot. That's all very much speculation. But do you think there is something to... 
a greater level of comfort for Crowder coming off the bench than starting with the Bucks right now, which in its own right is kind of, you know, funny. Little, little bit ironic given all of the starting, not starting kerfuffle in Phoenix that led him to the Bucks in the first place. Exactly. Um, again, he's just kind of this malleable guy that I think they'll look at him. Well, he's the vet too. He's one of the oldest players on the team among a lot of old players. <laughs> um, and the fact that he just, you know, it's more of just, you know, this, the nature of his role would necessitate that because, you know, defense first guy makes plays at the ball in terms of, you know, obviously spotting up and giving guys space to kind of operate offensively between Giannis and Dame. I, I think that's kind of where it would be, but I would be, I think in terms of the options that they have right now, I don't think it's necessarily out of the realm of possibility that Jay Crowder might usurp Malik Beasley, especially if the defense doesn't kind of coalesce in ways that we hope it will. But, you know, obviously we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, I like what Malik is bringing too. I don't want to talk too much to preseason. We were, we're on record already that we feel the preseason, but I think she showed quite a bit there, and I feel like it might just not have happened yet. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time people are listening to this, he's gone off and had a really good game against the Raptors even. I think it's it's the kind of thing that's very much in play. So I'm not opposed to that, but we did talk about it even coming into season on previews. It's like that they kind of fell into that, and then I think everyone was very quick to be like, Yeah, yeah, that's the move, that's what makes sense. Yeah. Honestly, doesn't didn't make perfect sense to me. Um, would have made more sense if Drew was your starting point guard. Absolutely, you go Malik Beasley. When Damian Lillard is your starting point guard, I, I probably would have wanted a slightly more defensive option. We may still end up there, we may end up like chopping and changing back and forth throughout the season. Multiple guys having multiple shares there and not being something we're all too worried about. Um, unless, you know, they don't actually find the solution for when it really matters. But I do like Malik Beasley, so I've I feel like we're we're gonna see a, a better game for him soon. Uh mm. Chris. Chris, let's talk about Chris. 17 minutes against the Heat, 16 minutes against the Sixers. Uh, not available against the Hawks. This is slightly slower ramp up than I feel like we've been led to believe. Now, I know we had the all who, and we had that interesting back and forth with Adrian Griffin, where trying to get any information out of him about Chris was tough. Um, I guess we're just not as far along as we would have started, which is not ideal to begin the season is certainly not going to make Chris's life easy. How are you feeling on this generally? Where is your, I I've seen all of books, Twitter doing there. Are you concerned? I'm concerned. I'm not concerned. All of that kind of stuff. Where are you at on that three games into the season? Chris having played two of them on very, very limited minutes. I just think it's kind of comes with the experience right now. I, I I don't <laughs> I think based on how last year was, I think that was clearly a test of Chris in a lot of ways. And 
we saw just how disjointed we saw that you know what they thought was going to be a, this time for him to return and everything like that that gets delayed if they find out that there's something that he has to get worked on over the off season, it was pretty. And I think he even said after the, or coming into this year that it was pretty set early on of like, this is just going to have to wait until the off season. So I think we've seen multiple ways of how they've tried to attack his recovery, get his return, you know, mid season twice. And both times ultimately didn't lead to what they wanted, what Chris wanted, even though, you know, very, take this very individually and with a huge grain of salt, because everything else looked like a big old pile of crap. Um, But Chris was played well in the heat series. Um, I, I just think it's, I'm not going to have any alarm bells really until we get further along. It's, it just doesn't make sense to react to October. And ultimately, like we might be talking about the same things again and come April. That's how paramount, uh, paramount that Chris's health is long-term. And it's very easy just to be like, well, we always, we've talked about that in the last two years. Why don't we just talk about how he's going to fit next week? Dave and Giannis, and it's like, I understand that, but I just think given just the amount of injury occurrences that have happened in the last two years alone, on top of just getting older and having a lot of miles under your belt and not anything really, nothing that he's gone through is is indicative, indicative of something more severe. I just think it's a lot of it has just kind of caught up with him naturally unfortunately and i think you know that's just what happens when you play a lot of basketball you play a lot of long postseason runs and disrupted this and everything like that and hopefully this kind of new way that they're limiting him and ramping him back up not that they're doing it anytime soon but just eventually gets into a spot where we see Chris more regularly. He has a very instrumental role. We see it start on the night that they were without him. <laughs> it just, it will look very different when Chris Milton is not out there versus when he is. And it's, it's, it's so obvious. And yet we, it, it's very easy to kind of talk yourself or get angry about it in very different ways because we can't control it. No, not even the player and or the team can control it. So it's just a matter of just trusting, you know, the process as they say, and just hoping that the reward kind of comes of it when he gets back to full health, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I think if I have any concerns about it, they're not concerns about Chris. I say that because I just think we know where we are with Chris, and I, I think the right thing to do to get the best version of Chris Middleton back playing for the books and helping the books see the best version of themselves is to take this carefully, give him the time, work your way back up as is needed, right? I like I just there's just no debate there. I think that's just it is what it is. It's like if if he can only play 16, 70 minutes a game at the moment, if he can't play, you know. 
if he's only going to be playing two out of every three games, whatever way this this might fall, uh, that's what it is. Like, there's nothing you can do about that. You've got to get him right. Got to get him right. If I was to have a concern, my concern will be what the knock-on effect of that is for the books, for the new books, and in terms of working out who they are. Um, just if it's going to be this thing that's going to drag on and on and on, it may not. He may ramp up, and within like 10 days, he could be playing normal minutes and looking good, and everything kind of takes off. But if this is something that they're continuing to really gradually ramp up and you take great care with, or if there's any setbacks, my concern would be it becoming one of these things where we find ourselves doing the okay well look maybe the offense hasn't been quite as good as we'd have hoped or and the defense isn't there but look this this isn't this isn't the version of the books that you know that the trade was made for that we're going to be looking at in the playoffs this isn't who the team is because if there's anything we've learned in recent years is there's no guarantee that you're going to have who the best version of your team is you're going to have the luxury for kind of all your ducks to to get in a row like that when it matters most. So that's my only concern of it, is if it has a knock-on effect into who are the Adrian Griffin, Damian Lillard books, how are they settling in, how are they hitting their stride, if there are elements where it's like, and undoubtedly I'm not underplaying it either, like if Chris isn't out there, there'll be some patchwork going on. Like Jay Crowder, even if he's really good this season, if Jay Crowder is starting for Chris a lot, or he's taking a share of Chris's minutes, that's kind of larger than what you'd want off the bench, whatever it may be. Like that's worse than having Chris out there. That is working to the detriment of Griffin, to the detriment of Lillard. At the same time, I just feel like the books could do it all that out of the way as soon as possible, get a chance to go out and show, yeah, we know who we are. We've got a system. It's Look, it's working. It's going to work. Don't worry about us. We're going to be fine. And then they can get on with their business. And we, to some extent, revert back to what we've had to do in recent years, uh, with the exception of the championship year, which is, okay, regular season is now, like, let's get to the playoffs, and that's when it really matters. We talked about it when the change happened. One of the things that made it different the trade has only further amplified this. It's like, oh, there's there's real intrigue. There's real reason to be zeroed in on Bucks regular season basketball, see how they work things out, how they look, how good they are, what they're good at, what they're not good at. You kind of just want to get all of that to a level that it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm good. That's satisfactory. The team may not be perfect, but that's satisfactory let's just let's continue to work things out work out rotations kind of fine-tune things and we'll talk when the playoffs go so that'll be the one thing it's just if this drags on and i don't think it will to any kind of significant extent but like if we go through november you're into december like it's not a it's not a nothing chunk of the season right there's enough games played that something is building up, something is sacking up, and if we were to get to that point and feel like, okay, like the books look good, but they're still kind of starting the project, right? They're still they haven't got a chance to fully launch what this should be. 
Uh, I think that wouldn't be ideal. That would be that would be my concern. So I think you've got to take care of Chris. You've got to take it slow. All of that is just like the no-brainer. That's, again, I'll say it. It is what it is. You can't do anything about that. How that trickles into everything else is the question. Now, the books would just take care of by looking great without them, looking great with them, you know, and then it doesn't matter. That's probably being a little bit optimistic, though. Probably, but again, things evolve. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Jordan. There was very, very important news. We talked about a whole bunch of things this week. Um, <laughs> a whole bunch of things from this week, but the NBA released um, on this like Super Monday events that they'd been hyping up with. Honestly, just embarrassing, embarrassing tweets and stuff. Kevin Durant looking at him just like, Oh, that's history. That's never been done before, right? Um, the NBA unveiled 30 new courts, alternate courts, one for each team, which we will be seeing very soon. Um, Friday, Friday, I believe. Friday. November 3rd, the beginning of the inaugural NBA in-season tournament. Before we started, Jordan and I were trying to work this out. I was like, is it just the NBA Cup? Did they name it that? What's its name? Jordan's like, no, I think it's actually just the in-season tournament. It's like, God, they did all this stuff. They didn't even remember to brand their own in-season tournament. Um, The courts, I just think generally... I mean, first and foremost, I think this is a good idea in, in the abstract, right? A visual signifier that this is not just every other regular season game that you might land on when you're flicking through the channels, particularly if you're someone who's a casual NBA fan. Something that immediately is going to make the audience go, oh, what's this? Now, I think there are other key elements to this. I think in-game presentation and graphics, and this is much tougher when you're doing the in-season tournament the way it is, and you're looking at local broadcasters, you know, the regional sports networks, to come true and do something. Like, they're not. It's going to look the same. Like they may have some little, you know, thing that just says in season tournament game on it, but they're not going to do the work that a national broadcaster would generally be able to do in that setting. I think that is honestly as important when it comes to visual signifiers and they can't go that route. They won't be going that route. So we've got these alternate courts. Um good idea in theory. I just I apologize to everyone who's bored of 
like me doing this over different things for now multiple years. I have no idea what we're doing here. I don't know what is going on with the book's visual identity. And I mean, what this shows is it's not just the books. And what this shows, as everyone knows, is and uh, this was a conversation that came up when, you know, some of the alternate jerseys came out for this year, too. Everyone blames Nike in that sense. Kind of like, is it Nike? I do. I do. Well, Nike didn't design the courts. No, but I think I think that is um, they are the flashpoint in terms of like that is where it starts. My take on this, right? This is pure speculation. Um, anyone on the inside, you want to reach out, tell me I'm wrong. I welcome hearing it. I'd well, you can come on the podcast, tell us all about the inner workings, tell us every reason why everything we got to say about you know the. I think the evolving confusion of the book's visual identity is wrong. I would guess, and this is not to, we're talking books because that's who we talk about, but this applies kind of equally to pretty much every franchise. Some yes. are less guilty than others. I just think it's probably put on the orgs a lot too. Like a lot of people in the organizations who are being asked for like basically three alternate jerseys a year. And then you've got something like this thrown into the mix with the court and they're reinventing and reinventing. And what at the start was kind of really cool all around. And there were so many creative, interesting and really good looking jerseys that came out of that. Like everyone should have counted their lucky stars. Everyone should have gone, my God, we could sell these jerseys forever. You know, the best of the bunch should have stuck all around. Everyone knows like the books have had their own shares. I'm not going to name any because people disagree on which is which. If we want to take like the Heat, the Heat's uh, kind of Fiesta team ones, they've had some great ones. Obviously, the Miami Vice ones were very, very successful. There have been like real standouts where everyone's gone, wow, that's gorgeous. The, the Nuggets one was really successful, wasn't it? I was never crazy about it, but I know like in Denver that sold unbelievably well. All that just kind of seems like congratulations well done everyone we won we've now got not just like iconic <laughs> home and road we've got a great third choice for everyone we could stick with that because I, I think the thing that also can separate the nba from some other sports is the level of player turnover and the level of star player turnover necessitates that a lot of people will buy jerseys pretty frequently right it's not yeah. like you you don't have to change the jersey every year because no one's going to change rosters. That is not the NBA. It hasn't been for a long time. Like, what's on the back of the jersey is is really most of the time what is selling jerseys. Like, if they were all good, if you had something there that, you know, these three are really popular at a base level, they would sell. But we keep muddying the waters, muddying the waters. And I, I think, like, people can put it on Nike. I don't think it's just Nike. I think... Nike will work in concert with all these teams. They probably go to teams and they're like, any concepts you want, anything you want to bring in? And like, there's only so many times you can say like, well, the lake is blue or, you know, these bricks, these bricks are cream and have something different come out of it and look coherent. Now, the latest evolution of this for the books and for everyone else has been these in-season comp, in-season tournaments. It's just got maybe I just start calling it NBA Cup, Jordan. 
Maybe it's the only answer here. Can we make an agreement? We'll call it that. We'll um, call it that. These courts, which have what could be best described as the NBA Cup, large in the middle of this trophy that you know we're all playing for here, are like mostly just completely detached from these teams. Are like so cartoonishly exaggerated. The Bucks are not the strongest example of, I think, like the most jarring. I wonder how players are going to feel about playing like on red, red courts. Remember, I know he said a lot of weird things since yeah. then, but remember Kyrie Irving had to play on the Mecca court and he did think it was the original Mecca court and we had all of that. But him talking about the colors, the lines, like just off immediately. And whether that's real or not, it's exactly the kind of thing that NBA players will get in their head and we are going to hear about within the next few days is guys being like, the court was so bright, I couldn't see this, I couldn't... I. It just seems like we're doing a lot here. We're doing an awful lot. And to really, to get to the point, the books in season court is doing so, so much. And basically none of it is like books. And that's that's also where I'm, you, I'm most confused. Are you ready? This is from Zach Lowe. He had a column about how the bold new NBA in-season tournament courts came to fruition. This is the Bucks section. The Bucks court is another window into the degree of exper- experimentation the league and some teams are daring with these floors. Their cream shade, usually part of the trimming, Take center stage, sandwiching a runway rendered in a lighter green than the Bucks normally use. There are no deer here, with the Bucks opting for their blue Wisconsin-shaped logo atop the center court trophy. Sure. Um, like the cream and the blue is the cream and the blue are the two things they're making happen and they're working really hard and that, that is what it is and I just think there are probably better ways to do it they could have settled on they could have worked something out they're like these are borderline an extension of the city edition uniforms I yes they are I think that is the what part the of that, that doesn't make wearing. sense why would you make a court the same colors then as like exactly all around I don't know I mean the books are going to get away with this for the most part because cream is the closest you're going to get to actually, you know, this looks like wood, right? So yeah. in, in that sense, for us watching books games, the visual experience isn't going to be that jarring. I don't know what this green is. And I know a lot of people just don't care about this. Like, I don't have to like the cream. I don't have to like the blue. I at least know where they were. They are in the idea of what this thing is supposed to be since the books rebranded. I do not know what this green is. What went to all of the versions of green that are actually built into the color scheme? Why have we got this particular you know I don't know, mint chocolate chip like? Yeah, like green? very either that or like Vancouver a, Grizzlies green teal. It's it's more green than it's, teal though. It, it's more green. I There's something and I think under the lights there may be a feeling that it looks slightly more neon. <laughs> I'm going to be curious to see. I just I don't know what what we're doing. I yeah. do, I really like why not do really classical looks for all thirty teams? Because the reality is most of the teams are quite far removed from it. 
who knows? I don't. I am excited for the NBA Cup, Jordan. Um, just to see how this thing works in theory. I have been a proponent of it. I've said it before. I think I just have a much greater comfort with this kind of thing or understanding of it from my background in European sports and particularly soccer in Europe. Having said that, they don't play cup competitions in Europe by being like, well, the league games also count as the cup games. That's an interesting wrinkle. I would not be shocked if this is something, though, that like the players immediately get super bought in on. Super bought in on. Uh, in like an Elon ending or like the the all-star game draft, like things Changes, that, yeah. you know, these changes where everyone's like, oh, is this necessary? Who cares? And the players are like, yeah, this is different and we're into it. Like we are really, really into it. So going to be interesting to see how all of that plays out. Um, I guess we should look ahead in, in talking about it. What we've got most likely between now when we record next week, Toronto Raptors up first. A lot of you will have will have seen that game by the time we record this on the road in Toronto. Adrian Griffin goes back to his old familiar surroundings. I feel good about that. I hope. I hope I'm right, Jordan. I feel good about how that one will go. You feeling good? You don't look like you're feeling good. No, I. I, I mean, the Raptors are bad. They're bad. One and three, so the year. Who could have seen this coming? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I feel pretty good about it, even though that they have given the Bucks problems. But again, things are uh, things are different in Toronto. Not the same coaching staff, clearly. In the NBA Cup, as everyone's going to be calling soon, Jordan. The Bucks are home to the New York Knicks on Friday. In the discussion for the toughest game the Bucks have had so far this season? No. I guess I also have not been paying attention to how well the Knicks have started. I'm not basing it really on that even. I just... Right now, I'm not necessarily saying like come playoff time. I think they're probably not that far away from where the Sixers are now, from where the Heat are now. And with actual stakes, Jordan. The NBA Cup. Yes. That could just be like a playoff game. Um, excited for that one. Then from there, on to New York to face the Brooklyn Nets. That should be, you know, they should laugh about the building. Right, Jordan? I agree. Oh, you do? Oh, I, I agree. I, I seem to remember you being high on the Nets. I'm glad it doesn't extend. No, no, no. Um, Yeah, and you'll probably hear from us in around the time of the Pistons at home, either side of that. I think there's, there's reason to feel good about the schedule for the week ahead again. I think we're probably going to see another week like we've seen would be my feel on it. Yes. We could see the books go two and two, three and one here. And I don't know how much the quality of the opponent really factors in. Uh, like the books are, the books are somewhat playing against themselves. They're trying to work out how they play, who they play, and 
just kind of getting a handle on all of that still. There may be some games where they just look like they don't have it. That's fine at this time of the year. I think if they do what they did to start through games against decent opposition, what you'll say, cool, well, they'll probably win more than they lose in this early running, but come out in pretty good shape and hopefully kick on from there. I would say right around the time we get to the middle of the month, but honestly, like, come through that Knicks game, a run of Nets, Pistons, Pacers, Magic, Bulls, Raptors, uh, Hornets, right up to when you play the Mavs on Saturday, November 18th. Like, that is a good stretch where let's figure some stuff out and let's win games even when you are figuring stuff out and then take your position as you know one of the leading teams in the conference already. I think that opportunity is there. It'd be great to see them do it. Yes, absolutely. All right, Jordan. I think that does it for us for this episode. Any final thoughts? I just got one more thought, one more segment. Is this what is this what I think it is? Tweeted eleven twenty one. This lemon. Tweeted eleven twenty one a.m. October twenty fifth, twenty twenty three. Mike Dunlap has some thoughts about a certain Jordan Love article on The Ringer. Money, social media, existential reality. Say what? Jordan Love and everyone else must be patient, but won't be the case. Few have time for process versus results. External pressure of Al Davis. Just win, baby. Created just win now. We'll look at Raiders. Equals that culture, culture, a total bust. I think that is an apt way of looking at this this Buck season. This Buck. I, I think it'd be better for your other podcast. And honestly, he. I wanted like, to do. There's a non-zero chance that he may tweet more about the Packers than the books go for it. He's been in the building, you know. He's he's familiar with some people. Of Matt Lafleur. And it seems like some people are going to have some thoughts, you know, you included, Tresky, about coaching <laughs> and who's in charge of the team. And he's a man who takes an interest when coaching discussions rumble up. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm glad the segment moves on. Just, let's see what we got next. It, it let's may, see if relevant. It'll periodically see. I saw other things, but. You know, we're going to keep it rooted to our Wisconsin sports of these GSPN pods, of course. Well, yeah, I don't believe he's tweeted about it yet. So maybe next week he'll weigh in on, like, Jimmy Hoffa's remains being under third base at County Stadium. Or looking at these courts. You never know. He might have thoughts. He might have thoughts. Maybe, honestly, maybe we should call him up. Just let him watch the video and get his thoughts on some of the Brewers stuff. But... You know, we got another podcast for that. I'm, uh, while we're wrapping up, I guess we might as well do that there. For more on the Packers, if you're, you know, a masochist, but you like having a good time too. Or you're like, you're a masochist in good company, right? That'd be good. Yes. Fun, right? yes. Join Jordan. Join Neumach for Talking to Tundra. Twice a week? Three times this week, right? Three times this week. Just with the nature of the tread trade deadline, that tread deadline though it feels like that. 
you're usually like Thursday, Friday before before every game and then post game every week for anyone who wants to hear more from Jordan this year than just the books. He is very dutifully covering the Green Bay Packers right now. Yeah, for more on make <laughs> sure to for more on the out of season, uh currently managerless Milwaukee Brewers. Mm. You can listen to myself and Andrew Snyder. Where's Craig? He's he's out in the parking lot. He's digging <laughs> up the old third base. He's got a shovel. He's he, listen. He's interviewed with uh, whatever they're called, code breakers or whatever that yeah. organization. Case was. breakers. Case, Case breakers. breakers right. He went. He went from Cleveland to interview with them, and now he's digging up the old third base. Uh, yeah, for more of the Brewers, their managerial search, their big offseason, a whole bunch of stuff. Andrew Snyder and I have you covered in Cruising for Bruising. If you want to hear more about movies, pop culture, other things, make time for this. You'll hear from Andrew and I again. And of course, don't forget, for even more Milwaukee books, and I'm sure you already know this, but on this very same feed, the Eurostep Podcast Network is home to us winning six and also to the Eurostep with Taiwanish and Ron Cody. What more could you want? We've got the books covered from all angles for you all season long. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.